If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening, listeners. Welcome back to Four Blades. In uh, it's meant to be in the pub, but unfortunately we're not. We're in the house, and it's uh, me, John, here tonight, and I'm joined by Dan. Evening, everybody. Uh, Ian. Hi, everyone. Phil. Good evening. And boys, this time next week, football, as far as we're concerned, will be back. So, Ian, football returning. What do we think about it? I have to admit, I've got kind of slightly mixed emotions about it. Um, more so for the fight. I'm, I'm delighted and I really want United to see out what we've done this season. But the fact I can't be there and the fact that there's so much we could achieve that I've never seen in my lifetime, well, none of us have seen in our lifetimes, that leaves me just that little bit little bit flat. I'm, I'm excited because I really it, it's something to latch on to. I don't know about anyone else. I'm exactly the same. I think it's the fact... I was thinking about this the other day. For, for all of us, really, is this the longest we'll have ever gone without watching United since starting watching them? In one way or another, either going to a friendly or, or going to a game of some sort or seeing them on telly. I think it probably is. Well, the yeah. last game was Reading, wasn't it? Uh, was it? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Reading was the last. Was it uh, a home game? Didn't we win in the league at home after Reading? But anyway, anyway, as three, always, well researched. <laughs> yeah, it's three or four months, isn't it, since we've yeah. Had, yeah, you're right. So yeah, this is longer than what a what a standard uh, pre-season, close season, whatever you want to call it, is, would be, isn't it? Yeah, because normally, sort of six six eight weeks after finishing a season, we're playing friendlies and we can we can go and watch them, but. This is completely completely new to anyone that's a football fan, really. And, and to get back to seeing us on telly, albeit a different situation, it's just going to be nice to, to like you say, and have something to latch on to again. Even having the contracts being announced yesterday, having something to talk about football-wise for, for the first time in ages just felt nice. And, and it's, it feels like a, a good old United thing to release that contract news and just start building that momentum up a week out. Yeah. They agreed a while, but I think it's... It's a really, you know, it's a cute thing by United to have done that, I think, and, and get the fans, albeit they were not in the stadium and behind, get them revved up. Yeah, I completely agree. And that, I mean, that's something we, we, we the actual last game we played was Norwich. You know, Reading was the last away game. Not We beat Norwich 1 0 on the 7th of March. But how do you feel, Dan, about it? Are you similar in, in yeah, Ian and Phil? Kind of the same as Ian. You know, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to, to obviously football coming back. Um, but the prospect of possibly seeing United in a cup final at some stage and not being there has always been, basically that's the reason I've been to Wembley a couple of times when I probably thought I didn't want to because we've been, because I've been let down that many times. I've always, you know, I've always toyed with that idea of I'm not going to go this time because I've seen us lose that many times, but I've always gone because the fear of not being there, if we do something spectacular, is worse than the fear of driving up the M1 after an abject failure. So the prospect of us possibly winning a, winning a cup and none of us being there, I think is really is really strange, to be honest. And, and, and also, you know, possibly qualifying for Europe and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I mean, the whole... Sorry, Ian. I was going to say, it's like you say, Europe, the Europe thing on there. I mean, the reality is travelling to matches in Europe won't be happening if, if we do achieve 
that um, in in you know six weeks time and it's it, it it's just a hard thing to comprehend and i know we're, in, we're we're having to comprehend a lot of new new norms and things right now but it is just a really odd thing and i, I was watching then um, in, in sheer desperation last night watching porto and benfica play matches on free sports Right, and I've yeah. seen a bit of the Bundesliga, and like you have, and it is just a very, very strange. And obviously, I've got no attachment to those clubs, but it was just a very strange experience watching those matches. Watched one game. I haven't watched one game at all. I, no, I've not. The, 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 I tell you, on on Saturday afternoon, while I was playing Monopoly with the kids, I watched uh, England Scotland from Euro '96. First proper full game of football I've watched. I've watched. Lots of old highlights, videos, and old United documentaries. But that was the first actual proper game of football I've watched. I mean, it's, it's been a big change in lots of things have changed in his lives. Like we've not, we'd never normally speak to each other in this fashion, for example. And I think what is, what a few things I'd like to bring up about it is firstly, having watched a bit of Bundesliga, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more at the weekend when there was crowd noises played. Which, if you said on the surface. They're going to play crowd noises. What the hell would that be about? It helps me to sort of focus in on the match. Whereas if you've got Glenn Oddle or Steve McManaman, who tend to be the colour co- uh, commentators on BT rambling on, you can very quickly lose your chain of thought, trust me. Um, so a bit of noise really does help. But for me, I think what's interesting is it was obviously sort of um, quite a lot of anxiety about it coming back. Um, but it was... How how that went down, I think we'll probably find out, you know, in the coming months, probably after the season, what actually happened in negotiations with the Premier League and stuff. What I think has made me come to terms with it and being relaxed about it is the messages that have come out of our club about it and how the player the, the players have been in front of cameras almost. I started off with Sander Burge, I think it was, and then we went on to Baldock and it's been a uh, Osborne interview and things like that, and it's almost that's helped me You've to manage. Coming up, you kept a steady stream of interviews and, and little snippets and stuff like that coming through, and it's given me like the sort of context of how my club feels about it, which I think's eased my like, anxieties about it. Because I mean, I think we are probably. I don't want to use the word COVID and coronavirus and things over and over again. What I want to do is. But I, this is so good that we're actually talking about football, excuse me, this evening. And when people listen to this, and especially when we get together to talk after the Villa game and things like that, it's just going to feel such a positive thing. And I, and although I'm apprehensive that I'm not going to be involved, there's lots of other parts of my life that have changed so much in the last three, four months that I've sort of, I now feel I will be able to, you know, deal with this one. Yeah. I think you're right. I think we've all, we've, like you say, we've all had to adapt. We've all, and we will adapt to this um, for however long this will be. I think it's interesting what you say about the night crowd noise coming on the match. Um, the the match, the matches I watched last night, it was just like watching it at a training ground. You know, they got some murals up in the stands, they've got some banners up, but actually, it was just like watching, um, you know, a training ground match with the calls of the players and everything else, and it. It, it, it felt flat, but when it's my team on that pitch playing, it's going to be that intensity of and willingness and wanting them to win. And that I think that will help overcome some of that feeling of not detachment from it, but you know, you, you're not there and you should be there. I, See, I, I was quite looking forward to, there was part of me that was actually quite looking forward to watching a match with no crowd noise. 
and and the reason being is it takes me back to when I was young and I used to go and watch United reserves, you know, as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid, and there was you know a couple of hundred people there, and you could hear the players, you could hear the calls, you could hear the the, the, the shouts, you could hear the you could almost hear every tackle, and I was actually quite looking forward, you know, in some sort of perverse way to hearing players talking on the pitch and hearing calls and hearing hearing discussions on the pitch, and I, we possibly won't get that if if we get you know crowd noise piped in. Uh, through the TV, so th that's you know, I wouldn't have minded a couple of matches just like that to be honest, just to see if it did take me back to. Uh... Last time I can remember hearing that what you're referring to there. Do you remember going to work up in a pre-season friendly and Neil Collins bollocked Harry Maguire all the way through the game and Maguire yeah. did I remember I, I, I wouldn't have been the same game. Remember me and you were going to work up years ago and hearing Chris Morgan from the opposite end of the pitch literally just never stopped yapping all the way through the game, the entire game just barking at everyone. I think I think something else you you said before as well um, about United have had the players there. We know it'll come out eventually, but we get, you get a good sense that all our players are behind the return and are really positive about it. I mean, there was a there was something I read the other day, which was I think Paul Barber, the chief executive of Brighton, was getting praised because he's been they've been doing a press conference every week and he's been there and he's been talking, and that's fine, and I get that. You know, it's the chief exec stating the view of the club. But actually, we put players, Wilder's been very visible in, in, in national media as well as local media, but everything they're saying is so positive. I, I don't know how I'd feel about, if I was a Brighton fan, for instance, hearing my ch chief executive or chairman talk so negatively about football coming back and, and it makes you wonder how they'll be prepared for what they've got ahead, whereas I, I don't have any doubts about my club. I've got a friend who's a Brighton fan and um, I can remember quite early on listening to a Wilder interview on Sky, you know, when they did the, when they got the Jamie Carragher and Graham yeah. Souness and, and yeah. I can't remember the reporter, the presenter was. And I was chatting to my Brighton fan friend afterwards and he was saying, I think it's wrong. I think the way Wilder's talking is wrong about getting ready for football again. We shouldn't be talking like this. It's all about making sure people are healthy. But he's looking at it from a completely different angle to what we are because he's wanting to make sure his club's safe, which I get really, but... I think the way that we've spoken all the way through it has been so positive and that we've got the, the tone of it bang on. I think mm. we've had the, the right amount of empathy towards what's going along around in the world and that's not just why that's the players, but also the respect to the football that needs to, needs to continue and needs to happen because if it doesn't, it's, it's the integrity is the word that keeps getting, keeps getting used and, and that's what gets lost if this doesn't finish, isn't it? And also, what I thought was so interesting about the players that we chose to speak, um, it's not it's not your sharps necessarily, and you know your more senior players. We're talking about Berger, we're talking about Baldock, Ben Osborne, younger lads, and yeah, they will have been prepped, but there was there was never any going off on saying other clubs are doing this, other clubs are doing that. Which footballers, let's be right, we sometimes give them too much credit could say something dodgy in an interview, like, well, I've heard that it's so-and-so at this club. But there wasn't any of that. It was all positive. And it, there was a key message of, we want to finish what we started. But second about that was, I think there was an acknowledgement of their role in, by being footballers, met, like, add so much joy and fulfilment to other people's lives. And they were so keen to get back out to play, not only for their own sort of personal drive and ambition, but because they almost felt... I don't want to say as a duty, it sounds quite pretentious, but like 
they were clearly uni united, again, pardon the pun, behind whatever would be discussed. So, well, I've said before, the club have got everything right, and I think that obviously that speaks to the players that Wilder's brought in since he's been here, and they're all the right characters. You know, you can't imagine one United player, for example, doing a Lyle Taylor and saying, don't want to play towards the end of the season because I'm coming out of contract. You know, the, the lone lads could do. You know, people like Retsos and Zivkovic, they could have come out and said, I'm not guaranteed a move here. I don't really want to play for this club because if I break my leg, I'm back to Leverkusen and I'm back to China and, and, and I don't want to do it. Then you know that this, this obviously, like I said, this speaks to the character of player that he brings in and the, the, the background he does on him. Likewise, I can't imagine any United player doing a Jack Grealish. No. What's Jack Grealish done? Have I missed that? He was right at the start. He he went out and got smashed, didn't he? Oh, uh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. It was about three months that's ago that's now, Dan. That's, that's fine. Three months ago. And yeah. Um, like you said, I think I think as well. You, you you talk about the players and the integrity and, and everything else. I think, like you say, everyone has got challenges at the minute in their lives for whatever reason, be it health, be it work, be it, and and actually. I think this just only emphasises the key role football plays for a vast majority of our population and giving us some sort of release, some sort of visibility. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, key workers, this, that and the other. But actually, um, you know, the footballers going back playing is, I think, a, a really massive step and a, and a really important one. Because I think, it, sorry, Ian. I was say, it just gives us that something... As, as a as a group, as a group of friends, as a as a the wider group of friendship group we've got, something for us to just connect on again. And it's not it's not the the trials and tribulations of everyday life, or we can still be supportive, but we've got something we've got something really positive to, it's, to work to. And it's something real. It's not a <laughs> conversation that says after this, I can't wait until we do this, or it will be so nice when we can do this. I can't wait till I don't have you know it, it's that happened. What did you think about it? Mm. And this is what I said about uh, yesterday with the announcements. It felt good talking about something that's just happened about United again. Yeah. They just announced something and it was really good to talk about that. Surprising, by the way, for Sharp. I know, I know we're probably not going to talk about that too much, but Sharp getting a, a new deal surprised me, to be honest. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it did be in terms of age, but I think maybe the coaching role that comes out at the end of it maybe but he deserves it for me I think yeah. he deserves it to finish his career for United with a decent contract I, I just think I think I might as well go on record now and do us all a favour and say it's a joke it shouldn't have happened and then in two seasons time we'll get 20 goals <laughs> <laughs> I have been I've, I've been very I've been very very like flimsy in my point there but I've, although I am shocked Phil I just think I think we well we talked about it this morning when we went out running, didn't we? And I, I, I just think it's probably a last payday. Sharp's long-term financial future secured, and if he's not enjoying his coaching and things like that, um, he could go out on loan or something. But that's a long way away, and I think he deserves it. But I think a way to sum this up: a lot of people have said football coming back is going to be strange because football's nothing without fans. Okay. At the moment, football uh, fans don't have football. So although football might be nothing without fans, at the minute fans don't have football. And as of next week, we're going to have football again. And I think that's something we should all be positive about. Definitely. Yeah, definitely.
welcome back. Um, wanted to talk now a bit about our expectations for United for the rest of this mini-season as it is now and who we think could do particularly well, if there's any surprise packages out there and, and how, how we think United will do in general, really. So, what would you reckon, Ian? I'm, I'm actually feeling really positive about... Uh, it kind of follows on what we said in the first section, but I'm feeling really positive about how United are, are, have approached this lull, this this time away, but and, and prepared to come back. And I, I really feel that we'll be one of the best teams out of the traps uh, in this mini-season, as you've just described it. Um, I, I, I feel... And, and, you know, it might just be misplaced optimism, but everything I feel about this club and every way, time we've prepared for a season or a, a cup match or whatever, you get the sense that we are going to be right on it from, from minute one. And you know, we, I've got no reason to think any different. Sorry, weren't we one of the only three or four teams that voted against five subs? Yeah. I think there was only three teams or four teams and we voted against it because we, obviously United, Wilder, etc., worked on the fact that our fitness would give us an advantage when teams could only make three subs. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure whether teams will use all the subs anyway, to be honest. But I, I te- and I completely understand why Wild or why United would have been against it. We were actually one of the last teams, and we might have even been the last team in the Premier League still training as well. Whether that bears any relevance um, to our fitness coming back, I don't know. But Wild has said from the outset, hasn't he? We're ready to go tomorrow. You look at the way the players come back from pre-season last summer, you know, and the fitness test they were doing, and, and how they keep themselves in shape. Okay, Moose might be a slight exception in that um but generally in, in the videos they've, they've put out he has looked yeah he has it looks like it's it's worked hard so you know generally we, we are on it fitness wise and i think that is going to play as big a part as anything and certainly in the way we play and 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 press and move um i think i you know i think we could we could catch a few teams for the first two or three games certainly we'll, we'll catch a few teams who are looking a bit leggy against us i think I think you're right. I think we'll probably come on to Villa in a little while, but I think that's a good example. No one knows how teams are going to start, but if there's a team we can shock, someone like Villa, I think we can come out of the traps quick and, and maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think we could almost take them to town a little bit early on in that game next week. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think Moose is one of those that you think could be a not so much a surprise, but someone to kick on for the last few games just from what i've seen obviously in the in the videos it looks like he's it looks like he's on it it looks like he's you know it looks like he's uh, whether the penny's dropped or whether it's just because he's been locked down and he's been putting the effort in with um, i think he's been training with burger and millhouse park and stuff like that um so maybe i don't know i'm hoping so because i've said all along if i think if the penny drops for him and he, and he gets the he gets the mental and the physical right I think we've got a very, very, very good player on his hands. Yeah, there's definitely one other one you mentioned there is Berger. Where do you think he fits now between now and the end of the season? I think, I think he'll be... Oh, sorry, Dan. Sorry, mate. I was going to say, I think he probably does what he did before the season finished. I think he probably switches in and out with Lundstrom. I think I think possibly long-term, in my, it might become him and Norwood for that role. I think as things stand at the minute, I would imagine he'll just carry on playing the same... You know, him and, him and Lundstrom will kind of swap in and out in a, you know, horses for courses kind of way. I, I, I think similar, to be honest. I, I think, it'll, depending on the opposition, you know, one or the other will start and then the other will be introduced 65, 70 minutes, maybe earlier, and, and just switch it round depending on how the game's going. But I think I think there's an interchange, interchangeability there, if that's a word, um, between the yeah. two. It is now, that's fine. 
copy I've trademarked it. Um, the interchangeability is in a Star article in a week's time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, talking of interchangeability, um, it's quite interesting. I'm not, I'm not going to use the word because I'm not convinced it's one. But um, in terms of, you talk about expectations of stuff and you just touched on it here and I think Dan backed that up about being like relatively positive about what's going on. But I think what's interesting and what is sort of, that we need to taper expectations to an extent. I'm very confident that we'll be ready, but I'm also the position we're in before all this. Um, the position we're in before all this shite started, for lack of a better word, we were playing um, Spurs um, with no Harry Kane. We were playing Villa with no John McGinn, and I think you've got to look at it as a lot of squads are going to come back and see it as a fresh opportunity. Some players have had a few weeks, maybe months, to prove to the manager that they've been getting it wrong by leaving him out all season and things. And I think although our strength will be in our consistency in a lot of ways, I think the fact that other teams maybe we'll be using it as an opportunity to spring a few surprises and things. We just have to be mindful of. I'm not suggesting we go to Villa and they've started this new style of playing or because John McGinn's back. But they are a much better team with him in the team. He, like, he is a very good player. I know, according to the Scottish football writers, he's better than John Fleck, but that's a conversation for another day. But, but the thing with that... He is, he's a good player, but we scored nine goals against him in three games with him in the team. Oh, Yeah. The other factor for me in this is, yes, the, these players are coming back, but actually they're coming back under quite unique circumstances. They're not playing, uh, uh, doing a full pre They're not doing a pre-season. They're not doing, you know, the probably intensity of the friendly matches. I can't imagine he's up at the same level as we would be looking, teams would be looking for before a season starts. So I think there's a, there's a real risk of one or two of these players who are coming back from a long-term absence breaking down. And yeah. that's that's the other side of that coin, really. I think you know we, I think yes, dangerous players and, and a stronger squad or team with with them available. But actually, you, you could equally just see that see uh, see them back out quite quickly again. Well, well, Harry yeah. Kane does like to get injured. Yeah, it, doesn't he? And but it, I do think players like Kane and Rashford, and I didn't mention Rashford before. I think they do make them more difficult opponents. I don't. I, I don't think. The fact that they might get injured again means that that's not a, a, a point. I just think, I just think, it, it, do we have to change our expectations? I'd say our expectations have never been too high. I just feel like maybe what we, what I do think is very important that happens. I don't know what you, you three think. I think it's very important. Some people saying I'll take two points, four points. I think we need to win the first two games because when you look at the fixtures, ever we can talk, we could go into loads of detail about this, but Everton are coming good. Man United were looking good before the break. I'm sure Spurs will be a different kettle fish. Now, Mourinho's had two or three months to at least get them standing two banks of four on the edge of the penalty area. He managed to get them in a bank of two in a park, didn't he, as well, for a bit? Bonkers. That whole Endombele thing. There's nine games left, 27 points. What do we need? How many points? I mean, we we don't need anything because we're safe. We want to get into Europe if we can, but... I think we need 18, probably. I was going to say 17. I was going to say five wins and a couple of draws. Yeah, I've got kind of five wins and a draw to me. Do we get two of them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Massively. 
I think if you win the first two games, it's to play for. And then the, the, the only problem is, dare I say, and you have to look at the Bundesliga. Well, if you look at the Bundesliga, home advantage doesn't exist anymore. It, no. it, uh, if you look at the results trend, what does exist is the better football teams tend to win the football matches, give or take the odd shot result. So if you take that away, our four easiest games are the first two we have and then Southampton and Burnley. The others are tricky, but they t- yeah. the others are tricky, but they tend to be at home. So it's it's interesting. It's because I would I would have fancied against against Chelsea, Spurs, at home, mm-hmm. Everton at home. As a home advantage, us as fans give United that bit extra. Whether it whether it's tangible down on the pitch, we'll never know. But I'm sure it does give them a bit of a lift. So that that not being there is is definitely going to be. The flip flip side, we've got to go to Old Trafford. Yeah. We go to Old Trafford, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Which is almost a neutral, but which essentially, essentially yeah. now every game is. Yeah, there's grounds, there's grounds we're going to go to. Definitely. So, just last point on on sort of what's going to be coming up over the next few weeks. Then, do you think there's anyone that we haven't talked about that could become quite important to us for the for the rest of this season? I I think I think a player like Zivkovic could be a real impact player for us in this period. Someone who's got natural pace and hopefully he's come over from China now, got, got probably tried to keep fit. I think he could be a bit of a surprise package. And again, on teams that are probably fit, but not as match fit. So I think a, a player like him with his pace off the, off the bench um, could, be a, could be a real impact player for us. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's probably playing for a contract as well, to be fair to him. Yeah, absolutely. For me, so I, think, where he's, he, I think he's open to himself a deal, hasn't he? Yeah, and he scored. Did he score against Hull? Um, in, night, yeah. Obviously, got involved. He's getting involved, which is good. Which he wasn't before the break. So, yeah, Zipkovic for me. I'd go with that. Uh, I think some one of Osborne or Luke Freeman uh, will. Osborne. Osborne would have been mine. Uh, I just feel like they're the two that if. Fleck, Ender, uh, Norwood, the midfield slash left left hand side hadn't been as good as they have, would have probably had more chances. And I think Ben Osborne's a smashing little player. I'm always going on about it. I think he just comes across as being. I'd want to take him out for a drink. I think he's that, I'm, I've got a bit of a man crush on him. I won't lie. You met him on the train station. Is that what it is? I just think he just comes across really well. And I've got. I bought his mug with the footballers with breasts because. <laughs> Because when you're in lock, uh, when you're in lockdown, well, I'll spend fourteen pounds on. Um, but I think one of them and Luke Freeman as well. I think we forget when we did sign him how we viewed him at the start of the season. And I think in a in a Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, whatever model of games we're going to have, it wouldn't be ideal. But if you do swap a midfield of Norwood, Berger, and Flag for one of Lundstrom, Osborne, and Freeman. It's not it, it's it's not that bad. And these are players that, uh, as we know, will be fit and ready to go. So it'd be one of those two for me. I'm quite excited to see how the how we use the squad generally, but particularly those two. Yeah. Good. Well, let's see what happens. Let's hope so. Yeah.
Okay, welcome back everyone to part three. Um, we're obviously going to look now at the, the, the next game, the first game, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, Aston Villa. Um, kind of thoughts on team selection and as much of a score prediction as we can give with, with no form in the background. So, John, do you want to kind of start on team selection? Yeah, well, I think we'd all agree that it's it, we know who's going to be the back six. Like that's without question. I don't think, I've, like by all accounts, you only have to look on social media that Jack Robinson's very much like involved in the players and he's interacting with all players on social media, which is great to see. But he's not going to dislodge Ender or O'Connell. Restos has grown his hair and he looks like Chris Basham, but he's not just he's not getting in for Basham and Kieran Freeman's not getting in there for off. I think in midfield we've touched on before the Bergen Lundstrom thing. I felt I personally think Berg will start, but I think a lot. Having spoke on Saturday, uh, Ian, to you and Phil when we were out doing that half marathon, that you're both convinced it will be Lundstrom. And I mean, it, it it doesn't bother me. But the big debate I think is up front now. My personal um, preference would be McBurney and Sharp because Sharp terrorises Villa, and I just feel like there's an opportunity in this running for McBurney to basically just put put pay to all the goodwill towards him from us as fans and actually add a few more goals to those fantastic performances we've seen in the games before this. I, I think it'll be sharp. I think you're right. I think it'll be sharp and McBurney up front. Um, just on the subject of Retzos, I think because obviously we've got a lot of games in a short period of time and, and that role that Basham does is, is demanding, I think possibly Retzos will get more games now than he would have had the season just played out in its natural, um, in its natural over its natural period, just because it's such a, a kind of truncated end to it. I, I think I think you're right, and it's interesting because we always all the, we talked about this on the pod many a time about Basham's fitness, but actually we we were going to like you said we're going to need to move some players in and out for games naturally. Maybe the cup game is is one way that yeah. happens. You know, at the end of the day. Yes, there's a chance of a cup final, or there's a chance of Europe. Where, 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 where does Wilder You get both priority? with the cup final, don't you? That's the thing. You win yeah. the FA Cup, you get both. But yeah. it's it's an interesting one because if you in this, like you say, in this time frame. So I, I think I think I agree with everything you said there in terms of team. Like I say, on, on as we as I was saying to you both on Saturday, I think for me, Lundstrom starts against Villa and he'll bring Berger off the bench. I, agree. Um, I think he'll go go a little bit solid in that first. And a bit, I'm going to call it solid and functional with Lundstrom instead of a little bit more open and, and a bit of flair with Berger. And then see how the match progresses and introduce Berger from there. But I, I think you're right, Sharper, Sharper McBurney up front for me. Um, and, and just think of what we could do off the bench if with Moose, Zivkovic, McGoldrick, genuine real options, I think. Leon, if we're adding extra, if we're adding extra subs on now, it's <laughs> nailed on for Leon to come on and fire us into Europe at some stage. He's stitched him. He's a streaky striker, isn't he? All he needs he to get the goal. Yeah. <laughs> the only Going thing I don't necessarily disagree with, but just chucking it into the mix, is I wouldn't be surprised if McGoldrick starts. No. Wilder likes McGoldrick as, as what he offers in terms of um, holding the ball up and unlocking doors. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he picked him for that first game back. Instead of? Uh, McBurner. Really? Oh, right. Okay. Right. I, right. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say McGoldrick and, uh, and McBurney. I, I struggle to see McGoldrick and McBurney play together because I think they, they're both oh, in into that little space. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. We haven't really talked about Moussa either. Moussa, if he has come back firing, if he's fit, he, he, he could be the one that, that surprises us in terms of, of, a, of a start. But yeah, Wilder's always talked highly in McGoldrick and he, he does offer something different to everybody else that we've got. So it wouldn't surprise me. I think McGoldrick's more... I could see McGoldrick being more use against Newcastle with this sort of defensive players Newcastle have got and the way they'll play, as you're we know. Gonna, you're not going to get lots of space in behind for the likes of Moussa and Zivkovic against Newcastle. Bruce is going to have them sitting on edge at six-yard box. So you, you need someone who can do a bit of something out of nothing, don't you? Absolutely. And, and, and McGoldrick is perfect for that. But what is interesting generally about team selection is you can actually almost, with five subs, spring a real change. So, you know, drop to four at the back, say, right, Fleck, it's not work for you. Berger, you come in and you and Noel would sit and then we're just going to throw kitchen sink at somebody all off. All off. You can have, Z- you'd have Zivkovic, Moussa and, and McGoldrick all running off McBurney, you know, and just like get into him. If you I'll want be in for that to. kind of football. If, if any manager, if any manager is going to be the first in the history of game to make a quintuple substitution, it's going to be Wilder. You know for a fact it's going to be nil-nil against Villa in, with 70 minutes ago, and he's like, "Oh, do I put one?" He's going like, right, "Fuck it, five on." Clark, Zivkovic, Luce, Freeman, and Alan Cork all coming up. It'd be good, wouldn't it? It'd be. It'd be I mean. Someone might, if he did make that substitution, even if we were winning two or three nil, so a cynical football fan might call it a bit of an egotistical mood to get yourself in the record box. <laughs> but I'd call it a work of genius. But that's the thing, isn't it, as well? Like, what he, I think generally something that'll be interesting is with these five subs, if you one nil up, you can destroy the last 10 minutes of the game. If you've kept, you know what I mean? Daniel Parker will do that. He'll, 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 he'll make a substitution every 45 seconds and each sub will take five minutes to come off. Guaranteed. <laughs> Playing football the Norwich City way. Yeah. What about Villa? How do we think Villa will set up? Do you think they'll do anything surprising or just as usual the, the, the way that they play? Well, I think they'll... Do, they, uh, didn't they have a little bit of an experiment with wing-backs before this? I think they did. No. Um, the only thing I know about him is Grealish was starting to a bit of form, wasn't he, before it all sort of stopped. And, and he he seems to be someone that, that does need a few games to get going. So hopefully that kind of rings true going into next week. Unfortunately, so does John Fleck. Yeah, true. I think I don't think it'll spring any surprises. The player like Grealish always gives you a chance. Um, but they... What we'll get against Villa is we'll get um, we'll get chances. Yeah, and I think how clinical we are, it'll be the telling factor in that game. Mings and people are—he's decent, but it, like you say, he gives you a chance, doesn't he? You know, mm. you know, if you if you sit on Mings for ninety minutes, sooner or later, he'll give you something. He's got one in him. I mean, right, uh, we've scored like like you made the point earlier. For we've scored goals against Villa. You know, we. We don't we don't have any issue in in the last three games against Villa scoring against them, so why should we expect that to be any different now? Yeah, then they're not going to suddenly come out and be a lot more solid. No team, no teams are going to make huge tactical overhauls in in this. It's not like a pre-season where you've got six seven weeks where no teams teams are just 
kind of ticking fitness over, aren't they? And making the yeah. odd tweak. No one's going to come out with a completely different system having not been together for eight weeks. You don't yeah. think well, it's definitely fit. Then start playing four four fucking two. <laughs> <laughs> is McGinn definitely fit then? Do we know? Uh, just now, I'm a little nosy on Villa news, and his names mentioned in it, mentioned in every article. Uh, so they must. But the looking at this, like El Mohammed, he was back in the team before before the break. So again, he's another one. He'll give you. He'll give you one. He'll give you a chance. But um, like they obviously got some like fairly decent players. But statistically, I was listening to the TFO football podcast, and that Nakambu plays in midfield. He's like absolutely sky high on tackles, interceptions, blocks, and stuff. But the defence behind him is actually that appalling that no one ever talks about him. But statistically, he's what he's up there with like Indeedy and holding players like that. So it'd be, it, I think what that or what I'm saying there is it strengthens um, the point that they're going to give us chances. And let's just hope Pepe Reina has one of his. One in five, one in six, where he does something absolutely bonkers. <laughs> well, that runs past the ball like he did just before. <laughs> that was against Leicester, wasn't it? <laughs> Actually, is Heaton back? That's an interesting question. Is Heaton back? I'd imagine Rayner will play, whether Heaton's back, back or not. Oh, I'd say Heaton would be above Rayner in the pecking order. Mm, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I think, uh, unfortunately, I think... Heaton, if he'd played all season, he'd be probably he would have skewed Dino's chances of going to the Euros because I think there's always been that high. He's held it experienced, and so I don't know, we'll see. But, um, he's a good keeper, he's definitely a good keeper. So, are we gonna have a stab at scores then? What do we reckon? Um, just purely with my optimistic hat on 3 1 United, I'll go 2 0 United. John? I think it'll be, um, I mean, it might be a high-scoring game. I could see it being like 3-1, 3-2 to United. I think we might might give one or two goals away. I think there'll be goals. I'm going to go 4-2 United. Are we having a 5-1 that then, Phil? I'll take any of them, I'll, I'll take any of them now. They never yep. too forget. I mean, I, Four optimistic blades. And absolutely, and I think, as I touched on before, um, we have to win. In my opinion, we have, if we've got any aspiration to really push at the top end of the league, we have to win. Yeah. And I think that's what Wilder's message will be. Oh, you know, so, you know his, his message will be win. It's not, we're not going back to the bad old days of Clough, are we? We're not going back to start with a point and that's the first, uh, the, you know, the first order of days protecting that. That, that. That'll never happen while ever easier. Something to look forward to. And welcome back to part four. And uh, after a, a couple of recent interview pods and a bit of a gap, we're glad to welcome back our Hall of Fame section, where we'll nominate um, a, some sort of United connected um, event, player, uh, situation, uh, in my case, usually a streaker or something, to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, 
looking back, way back, when we did a pod where we were previewing Newcastle away, if only, um, the winner was Hendo's Shithousery, which was a runaway winner in the poll, um, which we think was Phil, we're casting our mind back, but equally could have been John. Yeah, well, I'd, well, I'd, I'd listen back at some point and remember, but anyway, it doesn't it matter. Hendo Shithousery goes into the Four Blades Hall of Fame. Right, um, so. And I, I don't think many of us could argue with how entertaining that's been uh, for the last couple of seasons. So, on to tonight's nominations. Um, who would like to kick off? How about you, Dan? Um, my nomination, again, it's probably because it's been that long since we did it. I can't actually remember whether this person is in or not. Um, and it's a bit route one, but it's my, basically it's my favourite United player of all time, and it's Brian Dean. I don't know if anyone can remember if, if Dino... I know we've had... I think we've had one of Dino's goals nominated. Yep, we have. Possibly by me because I'm such a fanboy, but... I don't think we've ever actually had Brian Dean. Have we not? Right. In that case, my nomination this week is Brian Dean. Um, he's just... Um, he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's my favourite, but I think he's the best United player I've ever seen, just in terms of what he could do. You know, when he first came, he was this gangly lad from... From Donny looked like a bit of a, a bit of a Bambi on ice. Thought he was going to be a target man, but there was so much more to his, to his game. And I've seen that just again last few weeks. I've been watching some old United end of season videos and stuff like that. And the, the, the different, the different styles of goals he could score. You know, he could he scored with his head, he scored with his left foot, his right foot. He took it round the keeper, he smashed it in, he slid it under keepers. He, he you know he could he could do everything. Um, he could hold the ball up. He could cross. He was strong. He was awkward. Um, uh, he was just, and it, it devastated me when he left. Both times, obviously, um, obviously Black was it Black Thursday with the when he went with Fjortoft. Uh, but the first time when he when he left for Leeds, uh, it ruined a week in Portugal for me. I was I was on holiday with my mates. Found out he'd left. Got pissed. Ripped my blades poster down off the wall. Just had a proper. A proper tantrum. You uh, took a Blades poster to Portugal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was on all. All my mates were pigs, so I had to claim a little bit of uh, a little bit of pride in Russia for S two. So I, I had a Blades poster and, and I came in and came in pissed after the night he got sold and, and ripped it off the wall and threw it in the swimming pool and had a proper tuppy. Um, <laughs> but I mean, apart, I mean, my, my, my missus will tell you, she, she's in the next room, she could probably hear. Uh, she's not convinced that I don't love Dino more than I love her. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to play some record that's not actually true. I do actually love my wife more than Brian Dean. Just. It's a photo finish. <laughs> I, would, I would agree with a couple of things you said there. There's times, a, a great compliment you can play him is you wish he was on the end of his own crosser sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for an out-and-out striker to cross a ball how he could. Um, and coming back to the skill point, to this day, if that goal against Liverpool and Grobelar was scored in the Premier League era, Sky would have it on repeat yeah. every other week. I mean, it is, it, it's, it's, the, it's the quick feet to whip it round Grobelar, whip it round him. him, and then it's the composure to look up. And yet, he's got a goal to aim for, but he's just flighted that ball perfectly. And that, to me summed up Brian Dean's quality that people rarely credited him, well, didn't credit him with enough. So I I, I, I love Dino. Not even, as much as you, clearly, but... Even, yeah, no, no one does. Even the second goal in that match, you know, it was supposed to be a target man. It was a ball knocked over the top. He shrugs, I think it's David Burrows off. 
and just sit, puts Grobbler on his arse. Just absolutely yeah. sits Grobbler down and strokes it into an empty net. So, you know. Like you say, he could score all sorts of goals as well, couldn't he? It, it wasn't... Yeah. And, and you're right, Ian, with his crossing. But think about players that he's played with as well. Tony Agarna was never the same player without Brian Dean, before United and after United. Yeah. But as Agarna was, I think Dean complimented him so well and made him become such a better player because of how good Dean was at other things rather than just scoring. But he could score goals as well. Mm. Outstanding footballer. And I know we've had, we've had discussions on here and in the pub saying if you could pick one United player to sit into this current team, who would it be? And people like, you know, people like Babakis get a mention and stuff like that. It's Dean every single day of the week. You'd have an absolute field day in this side. Yep. Every single day of the week for Dino. So my nomination is, is Brian Dean. Very good. So that's that's a that's a tough start for us to go up against. Um, so I'm tough, so I think, well, so tough. I think he could probably go into our elite level of um, automatic entry. Is he, is he, yeah. he could I think bright, bright, bright yellow green shirt and uh, Chris Basham is it in the uh, uh, Mel Reeves? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think just to finish on Dino, really, because I'm a bit, bit younger than you lot, so I missed him first time, really. But when he came back and that side we talked about with Quinny, like the aura around him being back at United and, you know, it's like, you know, like 40 odd year old blokes with Dean on the back of the shirt and things like that. And it sounds mental, but like it, it just helped. I don't think maybe Sharp's getting into that sort of category. Um, but that's he's he's truly like the, the greatest of the modern era in terms of ability and just the way Dan spoke then about how much he like loves everything about him. I know there's there's been lots of great players since Dean played for United, but I just I just think he is of that elite level. Um, if Ed, all of us would do, if all of us did in a one to eleven the subs of who we've seen play for United, Brian Dean would be in all four, and I'm sure. It'd be in most listeners as well, whoever had the ability, uh, ability, uh, joy of getting to see what red and white. Um, I'm I was also gonna go quite route one, but um what I want to what I want to put in, and I I think it has been put in before, so I'm gonna change it, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna put someone in route one. Uh, I wanna put Wayne, I wanna put Wayne Quinn in the four blades in the football time. I think he has to go in after the podcast he did with us. The way he's been with the fans ever since, the fact that we sat there for two hours and fifteen minutes and literally all combined to speak for probably about ten minutes, just wound him up and let him go. We we did think about his questions, but it was it was the most effortless bit of podcasting we've ever done. Yet it's the most well deceived thing, and we all obviously been a bit shit recently for everyone. Uh, we all felt so humbled with the feedback that mates texting us all, telling us how good it was, people on the forums, people on Twitter. And I think the way Quinny's interacted with fans and stuff as well, I'm going with Quinn. And that's a really, really good shout. And I think you've summed it up well. The way that the way that Wayne's behaved on social media since has been first class. Like I think somebody said earlier on, that people have asked if he could send shirts down to him to be signed and he's agreed to it. And he's responded to every single person who's commented it and that's after the minute, he's responded to every single one. And that is first class. He deserves to go in as a man as well as a player. Yeah. Based on, based on how, he, how he's conducted himself. And I'm happy to, to suggest a fast track for him as well, because actually this is quite personal to us. But when we kick this off, 
as a podcast. It was me and John did the first trial run at it. Oh, you know. fucking shy. <laughs> but we, we did this because we were four mates who wanted to just have a laugh, talk about the things we talked about in the pub, and just put it out there. And if people listen, great. And I think what we've been able to do these last couple of weeks, well, last few last few months, starting off with Gagey into Bradders, um, talking to Paul Devlin last week and, and Quinn, Wayne Quinn before that. Um, as we've said before, you know what? If five of you listen out there, fantastic. Because actually, we've us four have had a great laugh doing it and a great time doing it with some Blades Blades heroes. Um, and for me, I'd, I'd fast track Quinian as well. Me and you on a vote at the minute, Phil. But anyway, well, we can, me and Dan, me and Dan can do another one. But, uh... I think leave them in, leave them as it is. I think yeah. it's I think it's the right thing to do. I think everything that you've both just said just sums it up perfectly sums the mood up as to how i felt about it afterwards and and great nominations both of them they really are yeah so can i throw it to you phil or do you want me to go no i don't mind going um it feels like what who i was going to go for might be a little bit lost on on the back of the two that we've said already but i'm going i don't know whether it's route one or not but it's a lot more recent current even um i want to nominate stephen bettis I think everything that's good about United has seemed to have happened since he's been at the club or since he's been at the helm of the club. And he left for a little while and things didn't go so well. And, and that not, wasn't necessarily his fault because we had some bad injuries at the time. Coots comes to mind. But in the period that he's been with us, it seems to be every decision we make, business decision, financial decision, players that we sign, players that we release at the time we release them, and obviously, Wilder's got a massive part to play in this as well. But Betis is the conduit between the board and, and, and the football side of the club. And it just seems to go so smoothly. He did an interview recently where I listened to him talk for, for five or six minutes. And I could listen to him all day. He just talks so well. He makes so much sense. And he's clearly got the best interest. He is a blade, although he's a Londoner. He's a blade. He's clearly got the best interests of the club at heart. And he's steering it in the right direction. So, for me... Nominating somebody that's effectively the chief execs title, I think, isn't it? Mm. A bit of a weird one, but it just seems to be that everything he does, he does right for us as a club. Well, we 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 know it more, you know, more so than most club, most clubs. If you get a bad chief exec, how 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 what a what a, a seismic effect it can have on your club for years and years to come. You know, I'm thinking Charles Green, Charles Green, Terry Robinson. That's who was the one that Clough brought in. Oh, Mal, Mal Brannigan. Mal Brannigan. Yeah. You know, you look at them and you look at the transfers in and out and contracts we gave out in the tenure of just them three. It, it fucked us for 20 years. Mm. And I think what we were saying before, you know, any successful time at United has had someone in that position, be it chief exec or maybe more as, you know, a chairman of some sort who's been that conduit between board and business decisions and the manager. Well, Derek Dooley took that role. I was Ooh, about to uh, say, when Dooley, when we got promoted to Premier League last time, very much Dooley was involved. And not, not naming anyone, but people I know at the club when I spoke to them said, when Dooley died, obviously they were upset on a personal level, but people, the, the general consensus was you don't really, you do not realise what this man brings to this football club. And I think it's that as well. We know what Wilder's like when he's unhappy. He can be very spiky. Not that he's like playing mind games or anything. But 
I feel like all, there's no like throwaway comments towards the board and stuff. We all remember that period where I can't remember. I think we'd lost a game midweek, and Wilder almost said like, "Pull away." I'm taking it as far as I can. Yeah, and yeah. bonker it like, and we were all going on here, and all that was was basically like, "You, you guys." There, then. Yeah, you guys sort your shit out, and we've not. And since Betis has come back, there's been none of that. I think it's a good shout. I think it's a very good shout because actually, yeah. it's like you say, it's it's a it's a role that. It's not a popular role in any football club. It's you're there to be shot at for for the things you're fronting up. But ultimately, at the minute, everything he's doing and the way he's working with the manager is to the benefit of the club, the fans. And I think long may it continue. And the way he's working with the board as well, because I mean, we none of us obviously know the prince, but I, I can't imagine he doesn't come across as being the easiest of people to talk to. Yeah, um, there'll, there'll be some managing up. There'll be some managing upwards that Betis has to do. Definitely. Absolutely. So that's three very good shouts, and I think I might as well just I'll give up the ghost now. My my nomination was on a completely different um, angle, and we kind of touched on it earlier when um, well I was thinking United obviously you know a club of firsts, you know, and, and now we're adding to it with the first game back after the COVID lockdown in the Premier League. Dan hinted at it. Wilder might well be the first manager to do a quintuple substitution just for the hell of it. You know that'd be another. So I'd like to nominate something that amuses me it also makes me feel quite proud in some ways and it riles Wednesday fans to death and I'd like to nominate the honours board <laughs> <laughs> because put it to one side we are a club of firsts we've got some history we've been involved in you know first Ludwig game um, oldest professional football ground in the world first cross first use of crossbars first use of crossbars first club to be called United First goal in the Premier League. I mean, the list, it, it goes on. You know, Sheffield is a city of football first and United play a massive role in that. Huge role in that. Huge role in that. And um, yes, we have an honours board with a few things on that other clubs might find, you know, runners up or whatever it may be. Or, but actually, do you know what? We've had some good times and we've had some great moments watching United and let's not let's not play it down. You know, clubs. some clubs would kill to have some of the experiences and trips to Wembley, yes, we haven't actually won, but we've, we've, we've done good things. So, you know, if we can get another couple of firsts on there, stick it on the honours board, stick it to the Wednesday. So that's my nomination. Excellent. Anything that, anything that boils Wednesday fans piss works for me. Yeah. All right, so one-on-one -on -one this week then, Ian and uh, Phil going head-to-head -to, -head to see uh, <laughs> between the chief executive and the club of first. Boys, that's been... Different for the last two weeks, but equally as enjoyable. Absolutely. I enjoy talking about football again. I know, yeah. And yeah. it's not felt forced at all. It's it's all we've tried to keep that under an hour due to some feedback because we're podcast fans ourselves, and we know sometimes these things can go on too long. Particularly us women, the cross size and the Thornbridge beer is uh, is flowing. Just want to give those boys a shout out actually because uh, Ian reached out last week. Uh, and then they sent us a discount code because they're very, very, very lovely people and we can't wait when they're open to go in there and spend loads of money on the lovely booze that they sell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about next week um, and being able to get together and talk about it afterwards as well. So we look forward to sharing our reflections on Villa with you before the Newcastle game next week. And uh, that's it.
Until then. Of the blades. Of the blades. Thank you. Of the blades. If you're going to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me a Murray, right. Well, I'll take Peroni as well.